You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. My Mac Podcast 570. Security. What is it good for? You're listening to the G-Men on the MyMac.com podcast. Gaz is back, but now Guy has gone and done a runner. So there's this weird guy in here instead who you don't recognise. Hello. Well, for everybody listening in, yes, now, should I, should I keep them on tenterhooks? Should I, should I see if everybody's going, whoa, everybody's shouting at the podcast player now going, that's... Well, well, how long has it been since I've been on here? I think I've always been standing in for you, actually, because I'm on your side of the Atlantic. True, true, yes, but I don't think we've done one together. Possibly not. I can't I remember. I don't think so. You come onto my podcast. I don't come onto yours. Yeah, that's very true. That's very true. Well, good afternoon, Bart. How are you? I am just fine. I am starting into two weeks of holidays, so that has me oh, cheered up. That's, yes, yes. Well, I, I've obviously now been back a week from my holiday, that the walking holiday down in Cornwall, mm. um, waving across the, um, the sea to Ireland from Cornwall. And actually today... My brother-in-law is just starting the Fastnet race, which comes very close to Ireland, of course. Well, Fastnet is one of our lighthouses. Yes, absolutely. It's on the southern southern. Is it? You say on? It's off the southern. Well, it's off this coast, yeah, because they go actually round it, don't they? They actually they actually sail around it. Yes, it's just this giant big rock in the middle of nowhere, full of bird poop and a lighthouse. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely, yes. And it's quite it can be quite a dangerous race, actually. So uh, this will be his third time. So uh, yes, we will be following him on the uh, the trackers that that you can all do now. And um, yeah, it's pretty good actually. uh, He says it's really quite quite good, quite exciting. So uh, yeah, the the Lusitania sank around there somewhere, but I think (laughs) there's less U-boats around these days. (laughs) Yes, there are a few less. Um, so yes, I've been back for a week. Um, he's off on his, his fast net, um, uh, journey. So that's good for him. And you're just about to start, mm-hmm. um, your holidays. Well, th- to be honest with you, so is Guy. He's enjoying himself somewhere. Oh, he, he did tell me, but I don't tend We're to not listen. Allowed to know. Well, I don't tend to listen to him really. Oh. I mean, we talk, <laughs> we talk every week, but really, you know, you know, he thinks, I'm he sure, th- I'm sure he'll fill you in when he's back. <laughs> Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, no, Gaz. No, no, no. I, he, he knows it's all done in fun. So I've been catching up a bit at work uh, and with the family. So not a great deal of Mac or iOS activity on my behalf. Um, I did appear on the big show on Thursday over at BTN. Um, I've been looking at timing, though, with getting my daughter, uh, who's made it into her first choice of university. Oh, so well done, Claire, uh, about getting her a MacBook. But it'll have to wait. I've been eyeing up the one that I think she needs, but I do need to speak to her because um, actually uh, she's on tour with her brass band in Spain at the moment. And this will be her last tour because uh, obviously as she goes away to university, she won't be able to go to rehearsal. So that means at about the age of 18 or this time of time of of life for the people who are in the band, they tend to disappear. So um, that makes the band very sad because they lose yet another number of members but they bring the new crop on so there you go 
life for everything change. there is a season turn 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 absolutely turn. absolutely oh now what song is that uh, uh, i can't sing so. <laughs> yeah well nor can i as proved on the last podcast so bart has anything been happening to you either mac or non-mac related this week well for a start i spent i had a mostly a frantic week in work because I work in a university and summer isn't the ideal time to take summer holidays, but I kind of want to get some sun in my summer holidays. So I, d- I take them anyway, but in the week up to it, it's always a bit hectic. Yeah. So most of my week was just hectic, hectic, hectic. But I also decided that I'm fed up of waiting for Apple to bring the Apple Watch to Ireland. I'm just getting one. And you very, very kindly offered to help me out in that regard. So I, I, I kept on calling you my dealer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an Apple Watch dealer. <laughs> So, so you very kindly ordered me one in the United Kingdom, and uh, it is now somewhere between here and there in, I guess, a post airplane of some sort. It, well, it's probably likely still to be uh, on the uh, on the UK land at this point because it went earlier today. So unless they really were quick, it's probably not going to leave until later tonight or or possibly tomorrow. Fingers crossed, because the sooner it gets to you, the happier you will be. Well, yeah, now that I have no work to go to for two weeks. Ah, yes, yes. I keep thinking of Stephen Colbert, you know, there's something wrong with my wrist. When I look at my wrist, I see my wrist. (laughs) Well, obviously that will be, well, I, 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 of course, will be really interested when you get it. I tell you what, the box it comes in, Bart, weighs a tonne. Yeah, well, how? I guess it's <laughs> a charger, which must be somehow magnetic to it do the induction be. charging thing. Of course, I didn't open the box, so I don't know what's what's in there. Or you well, know, have to do an unboxing video. Way, then, so, yeah, yeah, I've never done one of those, but I should. <laughs> um, well, that, but yeah, a strange thing sort of came out of it. So yes, you're posting stuff to Ireland, and we you asked me the very innocent question. So, do you guys have postcodes? Which should be an easy question to answer. So and zip it, zip codes for our American friends, of course. Yes, I wonder what the zip stands for. I don't know many words that start with a Z. I don't know. I don't know. Is it for zippy mail delivery? I don't know. Anyway. (laughs) So we now have something called Air Code. And it's proved to be quite controversial, as as really only the Irish government could do. So I believe at this stage it's 15 years ago someone decided we should have postcodes. And it's taken until now for it to happen. And in the process there were many committees set up to take expert advice, and they ignored all of it. <laughs> they paid all these people lots of money to give them expert advice and then ignored it all. So we now have a unique code for every post box in the country, which sounds sensible, um, but they're random. <laughs> so they're, sorry, got sorry random. say that again. Did you say they're random? Yes, they're random. So the first <laughs> three digits specify a fairly chunky area so I think it's A23 for me, specifies a fairly large chunk of County Kildare. Right. And then the four alphanumeric doodads after that are random. So <laughs> the, the argument in favor of this is that, well, when more houses get built, we don't end up with stuff being out of sync unexpectedly. Right, okay, all yeah. Out of sync. Yeah, that's Your a fair point. And you have completely different postcodes. But the fire service are like, so if someone makes a mistake of one digit... We're going to the wrong end of the county. <laughs> yes, yes, you are. Um, but <laughs> well, that's, right, not, so that, that's not really that funny, is it, really? Let's be honest. Not, that's not even the bit that makes me cranky. So the bit that makes me cranky is that this isn't based on some sort of open algorithm where you take a latitude and a longitude and out pop these apparently random digits. That would be sensible. This has been done by a private company. So the government have given, air co- have given a tender for Airco to a private company 
And if you would like to turn an air code into an address or an air code into a geographic coordinate, you have to pay. Oh, wowza. So we've decided to do postcodes as a poor profit scheme. Good And grief. so regular plebs can look up 15 air codes a day, but companies have to pay quite a few thousand euro to access the air code database. Oh, so we have God. decided to privatize postcodes. And basically everyone is cranky. So apart from on post, because they basically wanted it this way. But everyone else is cranky. So Garmin, cranky. UPS, DHL, cranky. The fire service, cranky. The ambulance service, cranky. Pretty much everyone, all the experts they ask for advice on, cranky. But there we go. <laughs> brilliant. And, and uh, well, it's not brilliant, but yes, that, well. You'd have never thought that you could get controversy out of postcodes, would you? You would. And what's really great is they've got, they're going out of their way to say, oh, these are optional. If you like your address as it was, just keep using your address. So spent on this, and no one is going to use it. Incredible, absolutely incredible. And before everybody um, um, on the on the other side of the ponds is is still shouting at us, I've now found out it's zone improvement plan. Oh, so there is a word that starts with a Z. Yeah, there you go. Zone improvement plan zip code. Sweet, huzzah! The wonders of. Um, Searching on the web. I didn't use the uh, the uh, uh, the now. Google's. The, yes, <laughs> I didn't use that word. You did. <laughs> okay, let's go over to the recent mymac.com articles. So this is where, if there are any new listeners to this podcast, and and, and I think Guy and I sometimes forget about that. We do occasionally get some new listeners. Um, this is where we go over because of the name of the podcast, the MyMac podcast. We are quite closely associated with a website which has been basically blogging for. Crikey, I don't know how long. I mean, the podcast has been going for 10 years, and I think the website was going for a number of years before that, so probably close to 20. Anyway, over at MyMac.com, they do a lot of articles, and uh, we generally just quickly whip through them uh, to give you a taster. So uh, that's what we're going to do now. The first one that uh, I've put in the show notes are Maxpiration Basics. This is Control Spotlight Search Results by Yoni Dankalo. Any new listeners? Yeah, any new listeners? That's something else that Guy and do. We mess up the people's names. That's called mm-hmm. a spoonerism. Mm-hmm. That's correct. <laughs> so, are you getting too many search results when you use Spotlight? Did you know that you can re- reduce the search results and possibly make it easier to find what you're looking for? Well, go over to the mymac.com website and read up on exactly how you'll do that. Now, Bart. I know that you you said to me that you're not particularly a fan of reading out things. No, what I said to you and to everyone else ever is that I'm really bad at reading out loud. (laughs) That's true. Well, give this one a go. Right, so Seagate Wireless 500 gigabyte external Wi-Fi drive. User report review by John Nemerovsky, I hope. Perfect. Sorry, John, if I made that wrong. Just call him Nemo. Oh, Nemo, I can do Nemo. Yeah. So Okay, so by Nemo. So five colors are available. Doesn't say which five, but I'm sure they're lovely. Uh, free company shipping is offered in the 48 contiguous United States. Boo. Uh, this versatile external drive should be offered along with every iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch. The Seagate Wireless is an attractive, affordable, full-service external storage device that adds enormous capacity to the limited storage on portable iOS gear. Uh, uh, well done. Congratulations. And you did better than uh, than Guy. Much better than Guy. So, um, Guy, next time you're on, put your teeth in and see if you can match that. Um, go over to the website and take some a further digestion of what 
John Nemorowski, or Nom G. Morosky, as we normally call him, uh, has to say about that particular device. Okay, beep dial, Wi-Fi streaming music player. See, you did it better than me. I, I completely failed on that. This is another user report by Nom G. Morosky, or Nemo, as Bart just used his name as. Beep is a small Wi-Fi music player that connects to any speaker system and lets you cast music from your phone. That is the official description. Humble and understated. Ooh. In actual use, Beep Dial, a new company's initial pro- product, is the most innovative wireless audio iOS streaming invention in 2016. Huh? Hang on. That's we're, next year. We're in 2015, though, John. Anyway, uh, perhaps that was a little mistake. With the best dancing demo video, Beep Dials are assembled in San Francisco. And again, go over to the website and take a read of that particular device and find out just a little bit more than the taster that we give you here. Bart, you've got one more to do. See if you can do it. Come on. Okay, so a, sty- a Stilo Fine Tip Stylus, reviewed by Bert Clanchard, as we will call him. <laughs> uh, so Kurt usually feels like he's all thumbs when drawing with an iPad with a stylus there's some gender problem there's some problems in that sentence there grammatically Gaz it might be because I've had to it, Kurt he says I usually feel like I'm all thumbs when drawing on my iPad yeah so that I actually didn't change the my bit there that's my fault not Bert's fault or mine yes no, no, no it's not your fault it's my fault uh, the tips are either soft or and mushy or made of odd materials such as wire, hinged plastic, rubber, or even bristles. That sounds really good for your iPad. Some bristles. Um, that's me there. Uh, none are accurate enough for him. Uh, the new Stylo Fine Tip Stylus addresses these shortcomings. So it's a Stylo Fine Tip Stylus. Try to say that fast. Yes, I'm not going to. Um, okay, we like finishing on this particular item. It's normally the last item that we finish on each week. Now, this actually isn't an article which you can read at the website, but again, it's it's very much associated because it's run by the host of both what used to be this podcast, or is this podcast, and now the Tech Fan podcast, and that is Tim Robertson. So... He generally posts both ours and his show over on the website. So this isn't an article you can read. You'll have to download it as a podcast. Tech fan number 220, Private Eyes. Privacy is back as a big topic for Tim and David this week, as well as Apple Camp for Kids. Tim losing music thanks to iTunes, Lenovo installing crapware, and David's woes with way tools. So I have listened to this particular episode, and boy, do they have a go at uh, Apple Music, I've got to say. And um, actually, I've got to say to everybody, go over and see. I'm not sure whether it's a free one, so subscribe if you can, because not this week's, but last week's um, screencast from Don McAllister did a very interesting um, uh, screencast on exactly how Apple Music integrates with oh, Apple uh, iTunes Match, their matching program, and how it integrates with the music that you have on your devices. So go over and take a look. Um, it actually opened my eyes just a little bit. So um, I think there are a lot of things which people are getting confused with when it comes to Apple Music and what it's actually doing. So uh, I'm not saying that it's all brilliant and that it's not deleting people's music because I know that there have been some issues. But I was going to um, say they wouldn't release security or software updates if it was perfect, would they? No, no, absolutely not. But um, I think actually the way it's working, Don 
explained it very clearly. And it's, uh, it, it, in, fact, in fact, the best and most clearest piece of information about what it's doing and how it's working on that particular screencast. So, and if you're not a subscriber of uh, Don McAllister, just do it for a few months and grab a load of the shows because you can pick them and watch any of them. So go and do it. Go on. Go on. Do it for me. Go on. Anyway, if you want to be a writer for the MyMac.com uh, website, just send an email to Mr. John Nemoroski or Nemo, as we like to call him, at, uh, sorry, no, I always do that. Do you do that a lot, Bart? When you say, you say your email address and you go, you can contact me at dot, 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 at dot, dot, dot. So I always try and change that when I actually give my, yes, yes. So go contact John Nemoroski over Nemo at mymac.com. Send in, you know, a bit of your wares. He'll read it. He'll help you edit it. He's a great help when it comes to stuff like that. And uh, get writing. You never know where it might lead. So now we're going to get a little bit social. We do like getting social, Guy and I. Yeah, yeah, we, yes, yes, I know. Yes, the police have been on to us about it. Um, but if you go over to G+, that's the sort of social we're talking about. So G+, this week, um, Troy Muller. He said he accidentally, accidentally, I like this. I accidentally bought a new MacBook Pro uh, at the weekend, a 15-inch Retina 1 terabyte SSD, wowzer, and discovered Apple stores don't have a limit when using Apple Pay. Whoops, now Apple Muller. Uh, That's uh, not whoops. Troy, Troy Muller, I think, is um, is actually in the UK. Oh, great. Well, yes, it's not. So your it's, Apple Pay is working. I want that over here. Well, it, for the first time, actually, while we're on holiday, I saw an Apple Pay logo. Now, we 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 actually bank with the co-op and Barclays, and neither of those companies currently at the moment are supporting Apple Pay, which it makes me want to spit. Um, but I went into a co-op store because obviously the banking side and the store side are completely separate. Mm. And I went into the store, and they got one of these electronic screens by the Tills. And the Apple Pay logo came up. And I thought, you're supporting Apple Pay in your stores, but your bank's not supporting it yet. <laughs> Come on, get a uh, move on. Hand, right hand, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, Clive Hammett also said that, um, he said, this popped up in my Twitter feed and I had to share it. It's a YouTube video of home automation. The link will be in the show notes. And if you join our Google Plus community, you can obviously go and watch it there as well. But it'll be in the show notes. So uh, it's about basically somebody who's tapping on his watch. I have watched it. And um, he controls the lights and the TV and his music and all sorts of things in his house. Worth a watch. Okay, so Eric Diaz. That's the way we say it, but Diaz. It's probably not pronouncing right, but Diaz. Um, See, I actually find that easier to say than the username. Okay, as I binge watch The West Wing on Netflix for the first time, uh, yes, absolutely. I can't help but wonder how, with all the attention to detail Steve and Johnny put into designing things, the MacBooks on the show had the logo upside down. Have you ever? Have you know? Do you watch that show, or have you seen that show? Oh, religiously, yes. I, uh, so, so have you? Have you noticed that as well, or not? Or is it well, some not something that that's bothered you? <laughs> well, it, it hasn't that always been the case though that when you, for a certain vintage of MacBook, when you open up the the lid, the logo is for you, the owner, to see before you open the lid, not for. 
Yeah, he goes on to say, I get that maybe they thought that the owner should look at the logo while closed, but laptops are meant to be opened and the logo would spend most of the time being seen from the other side. So odd that they thought it would be okay for their logo to shine upside down. Every scene where the Mac... Uh, is it's an eyesore. Um, now, Clive That's a bit rich. Yeah, well, yes, yeah, eyesore. Come on. Come on, Eric. It's not that bad. Um, now, Clive Hammett jumped in and says, I've never watched that show, but I've noticed the same thing when my wife watched Sex in the City. Yes, okay, fine. Um, you know, if you're living in the city, you should really be doing other things. Um, but he said he's glad that the they saw the light and rectified it. Now, I don't know how long ago it was that they rectified it, but I think it's, it's been some time, okay. hasn't well, it? This, this laptop is from 2011 and it's the right way up. Yeah, well, I think I've got a 2010 and I think it's the right way up. So I'm not quite sure what it was. But yes, Eric, good point. Um, and it was probably... Probably them watching that show that got them to see the light. So there you go. Um, Facebook, yes, it exists. Um, <laughs> Sorry, that's just my little prejudice. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, Dave Hamilton is now officially recognised as gibberish pe- professional. Now, I'm not sure if we said that last week or not, but if we did, never mind. Um, uh, we've got email, email, email foo, foo. You know, you said you can't read stuff out. I just <laughs> yeah, can't speak today. Don't you do this every week, guys? I do do this every week. We, we've got email feedback in the show notes, but that's my fault because we actually had that from last week and I hadn't deleted it. So there's no email this week uh, and no audio feedback uh, using the famous Skype number, which everybody likes to call not. Okay, now, Bart. Mm-hmm. Do you know how we take ourselves out at the end of each section? I'm assuming it involves a humorous soundbite. Uh, well, <laughs> usually this involves you playing something on your doodad hickey. Oh, my doodad hickey. Well, you know, I do like to go. It was gone quite mad. And things like we're doomed. But, <laughs> but no, actually, what we normally say is this: Stand by to stand by, and we'll be right back. It's Let's talk Apple. We play all your favorite hits with no commercials. 24-7 music, even the boss can enjoy. Okay. Host Bart Bouchotts doesn't play the hits or really any music. What he does do is give you the monthly wrap-up of what's going on in the Apple ecosphere, along with great guests with different opinions. You can get the news anywhere, but Let's Talk Apple will tell you what it means. Find it in iTunes, stoplightnetwork.com, or at lets-talk.ie domains. Wait, hold on, hold on, I screwed up. Hi everyone and welcome to the second section of the MyMac.com podcast. I wait now I I I do that and I sometimes forget because I like to call it the MyMac podcast rather than the MyMac.com podcast. <sighs> oh, it's I a, always call it the wrong name then if it's well, MyMac.com. Well, I well I don't think it is. You know, oh. I think both Guy and I both say My Mac Podcast, 
And sometimes we go MyMac.com because we're so closely associated, but it really doesn't matter, let's be honest. So uh, this is number 570. This is the second section. And uh, in relationship to the Frankie Goes to Hollywood uh, war, what is it good for? Well, in fact, it's mm. an old, that's an, actually an older tune. I can't remember who the original uh, singer of that particular tune was. But if Gary Apter is is listening, he is now shouting at his podcast player of choice, telling me exactly who sang that original song. But I deemed this section to be called Security. What is it good for? Ha! That's there we of, go. It's, it's good for not getting yourself hacked. I yes, uh, I suppose it is. Okay, so... Um, I think I've got someone on board today that can help point us in the right direction. Now, the reason I wanted to talk about uh, this, especially at the moment, is there seems to have been a bit of finger pointing in the Mac direction recently, hinting that it's no longer secure. Now, that finger pointing often comes from people who just want to stir things up a little bit. Uh, but if you're, yes. a sw- if you're a switcher, mm-hmm. what are the first things that you should consider when moving across to a, a Mac? Are there things that you need to consider that you wouldn't have considered when on Windows? Are there things that you really don't have to concern yourself about? So I'm going to uh, – I've also said – this. I've thrown this in just for Bart, actually. I've said, and why is Thunderbolt so insecure? <laughs> <laughs> Mm. <laughs> anyway, mm. We'll get to that later. We'll get to that later. Um, so, Bart, if you're a switcher, you're a Windows user, you've been a Windows user, you're used to having antivirus, you're used to having ad blockware, um, or maybe you're not, and you've been hacked to death, and you're finally fed up with being hacked to death, and you move over to the Mac, and you think, well, most people say it's secure. What should I do? Well, see, I actually think you can... You, it, the the basics, the really important stuff, it doesn't matter whether you're a Windows user or a Mac user, an Android user, an iPhone user, a Linux user. I've run out of things you could be using, but <laughs> it doesn't actually matter what you're using. The basics are always the best protection. The single most important thing is that whatever software you're running, it should be up to date. That starts with the operating system. It's important for every app, but it's double, triple, quadruple important for any app that touches the internet. Don't run around with an out-of-date web browser. Don't surf around with an old version of Flash. If you have Java on your machine and don't need it, get it away, ASAP. You know, have, if it touches the internet, if you don't need it, throw it away. And if you do need it, keep it religiously up to date. And if you do that, that's going to be of infinitely more value than all the antivirus on the planet. Right? So that the basics are always the same. And the single biggest security risk to every computing device is the squishy organic bit that touches the keyboard or the trackpad or the <laughs> touchscreen. That'll be Guy then. It's all of us, right? We are humans <laughs> and we, are, we, are, we, we can be tricked. So most, most times when a bad guy is trying to get stuff out of you, they're actually not attacking the technology. It's just much easier to attack the squishy organic bit. So it is still true today that the easiest way to get someone's password is to ask them for it. And there are people yeah. out there constantly trying to trick you. And then a particularly common way of trying to trick you is through your email. So just be suspicious of email. If you get an email saying, oh, you need to reset your password, you've been hacked, that could be quite a cunning trick. So you go to your browser and you enter the URL yourself and you go to the website and you change your password to the usual means. You don't click on links in email because they could take you to a page that looks like your bank 
but isn't your bank. That, that, um, I think that that is one thing where we're so easily duped, aren't we? I, I mean, yeah. I can remember myself, remember myself in the past, many years ago, getting an email such as that and then clicking on the link. And it's not until, and, and I'm supposedly tech savvy, mm-hmm. and it's not until the web page opens and I suddenly think, what am I doing? Wait, what a, whoa, stop. Whoa, stop, stop. And, and you know, you still, you're still generally at that point normally unless it's something that actually wants to activate by you actually mm-hmm. clicking on the web you know to open that mm-hmm. web page but normally what they're looking for you to do is then sign in so yes. they can get your details that's what they're looking to do so just remember as bart says if you've got a link in a web, in a in an email don't instigate that particular site by using that link instigate that site that you would normally instigate well, in fact, I would say don't even instigate it. To be perfectly honest with you, I mean, well, no, I, get... I mean, you may you may need to check, right? Because it is it is yeah, possible true. that it's true. real, right? It is true. There there are websites getting hacked and making you reset your password. Very so true. Very true. You may have to verify whether or not it's true, but you but definitely even... don't verify it by clicking on the link. But even even those make. even those companies, the good companies actually won't give you a link, will they? They'll say go to um, the website to change your password. Do X, Y, or Z. Yeah, they'll yeah. give you something yeah. to do. The, the other thing, which I think is the single most important tip, is if you didn't ask for it, the answer is no. Mm. So if you're surfing around the web and suddenly a pop-up says, oh, you need to update your Flash. Were you trying to update your Flash? No. Then the answer is no. Oh, there's a new version of Media Player available. Would you like to install it now? No, you wouldn't. You know, it, Whatever it is, if you didn't ask for it, if it's offering to you and it's not something you went looking for, the answer is no. Okay, now... That, okay, that's that not is, very Mac specific. So, do you want me to get Mac specific? No, no, not yet. But okay. well, I will do um, because I, one of the questions that um, I had in my mind when I thought about this, and one of the things that I found when I first moved over to the to the Mac, and something which I was never very good at on Windows was <laughs> to make sure that I had an administrative administrative rather mm-hmm. account and to set myself up as a non admin user. Mm-hmm. And that was almost one of the first pieces of advice, one that I heard on a podcast, which was probably uh, Adam Christensen's Mapcast, um, but also mm-hmm. some advice that I saw online to um, to set myself up. Now, is that something that you would advise um, a new user or any user of a Mac or any user yes, of any system? No, um, I, it's not something I do, right? So the the first off is don't you know do as I say, not as I do. But that so <laughs> I don't do this, therefore I can't tell you that. Oh, you must do this. But I'll tell you when I would think it is a good idea. So yeah. the way I look at it is, I am the only person who uses my Mac. So if I get malware, as far as I'm concerned, the whole Mac is ruined. Yeah. But if you're in a shared Mac where two people are using it, if neither of you are running as an admin, then when an attacker gets in and when something gets in, it will only mess up your files, not the other person you're sharing the computers with files. So in a family computer, it makes infinite sense to island off the different accounts. And so that if one person does something silly, they're not putting everyone else's data at the same risk they would be if they were running as an admin. So on a shared computer, I say definitely. On a computer that's just yours, if you're not the kind of person who is tinkering around the command line and likes to use sudo and all that kind of stuff, if you don't know what any of that means, good advice for you to run as a non-admin too. But you get to a certain level of nerdiness where the effort isn't worth it anymore. Yes, yeah, I understand that. Yeah. So for your average user, yes, but I don't do it. Okay. 
Cool. So, um, the other thing, actually, Mac related, right? So, I, I think you're sort of skirting around getting to the to, to the big one, which is so antivirus. Then, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're getting there. We're getting we're there. getting there. Like, I think really a big thing on a Mac, something we have the opportunity on a Mac, is if you can live in a world where the only software you install is from the App Store, you probably don't need AV unless you go around doing dangerous things. So the stuff in the App Store is is um, not moderated. What's the word? Ah, vetted. Vetted, vetted. sounds like yeah. yeah that sounds almost too much. Meant, but yeah, yes, yes. I know what you mean. They they, they 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 obviously make sure that there's nothing dangerous in there, or they should do. They do, and they also have the ability to to retroactively kill the digital signature for the app if if they let something slip through that turns out to be really nasty. So your exposure. Is, if you use your Mac in that way, it's effectively using your Mac like an iPhone. And right. so then you kind of end up with the same level of security that you have on iPhones. I mean, it's not a case. The only way to be completely, totally and utterly secure is to take the plug, pull it out of the computer, turn it off and never turn it on again. So there is always a level of risk. But iOS has proven it to be a low risk platform. And if you use your Mac in that same way, your Mac is also a low risk platform. And then I would kind of say, maybe just keep your money, right? You know, if, if it turns out five years from now that there is as much malware for the Mac as there is for Windows, well, okay, reconsider. Okay, well, I'm going to throw I'm going to throw a wide ball in there. Okay, two wide balls actually. First of all, um, we talk about if you only download um, apps from the App Store. What about App Store and identified developers? That to me is a reasonable middle ground. But I think if 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 you're a non-expert user and you just want the simplest experience where you don't have to worry too much, I would say stick to the App Store, don't worry about AV, and you should be fine. Okay. But if you get more adventurous, then the the less scary, more adventurous, is to stay within the App Store and sign developers. And what that means is that Apple haven't looked at those apps, but Apple have on file who wrote them. So if they do something naughty, the police know which door to knock on. Right. And so... Basically, by making the developer say who they are, you've removed anonymity, and that means it's much less likely to be malware, because who would digitally sign malware? Unless they stole someone else's key. And the, you know, so it's not, not zero risk, but it's much, it's again, less risky. Okay, and so... Then, you, go on. Yeah, sorry. So, so you've, you've done that. You've, you've, mm-hmm. you've moved over to the Mac. You've done the App Store thing. Mm-hmm. But you're still someone who kind of just clicks on links on the websites and, and you're going mm. to all sorts of pages and um, you you get an EXE file or some dodgy mm. Windows file down. Is it worth getting um, antivirus software because you also share a lot of files with some Windows friends? That That is actually a very, that is a good argument for running AV on a Mac is, is to do it as a good citizen. So you share a lot of stuff with your friends and family. You know that you're not a computer whiz. So you're not really sure whether or not what you're sending is dangerous. Well, one way to have someone have your back is to run AV. And then if you're about to send someone, Windows person, a Windows virus, the AV will say, ah, don't be doing that now. And that is a perfectly legitimate reason for running AV on a Mac. Um, I, I, would, I wouldn't say that you need it, but I also wouldn't say you'd be stupid to use it. So I, I basically think... If you're not sure, okay, why not? And 
the more expert you are, the more of an informed decision you'll be able to make. And a lot of people do not run AV on the Mac, and I don't think they're stupid. The funny thing is, I've actually, and in saying that, I've also mm-hmm. heard um, a few people who say that they don't run AV on a Windows machine, and the reason, yeah. and and they they they're basically going through the the thing that actually Windows themselves have actually put an awful lot of protection in, and two, be safe. Then you don't have to run AV. Right. You see, again, we're down to the same thing, right? If you keep your stuff patched and if you don't go clicking on stuff in email, that gives you like 80%, 90% of your security. Anything else you do is just topping up that security. And you shouldn't use an AV as an excuse not to update the other stuff. So I, I know that people like Steve Gibson, who are you know security gurus, they don't run AV. But again, the more... The more you know, the less risky, you know, you can manage your risk better. And so the less you need to rely on the crutch of AV. And so I wouldn't be comfortable with, you know, my parents running Windows without an AV because yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the risk is high that something nasty would happen. And similarly, a lot of my family run Macs and they do run AV. And it just, I feel a little bit safer knowing that there's that little safety net there. Yeah. But you shouldn't use AV as an excuse not to do the basics because, you know something, AV is only about 90% effective. It, it, agreed. And actually, the problem is with AV is it's always trying to catch up. Yes. Yeah. So the real risk is always from the new stuff, the stuff yeah. that's just come out. And that's exactly the stuff that AV is worst at. So AV is great at picking up the stuff from five years ago. It's good about picking up the stuff from a month ago. It's terrible about picking up the stuff from yesterday. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I agree. I agree. But you know, normally, unless you're a, a, an extreme user of the internet and the World Wide Web, and obviously getting files from friends, you've got to be extremely unlucky to pick something up from yesterday as well. But but it can it can be out of date because, of course, you've got to make sure you keep your um, your profiles, your anti antivirus profiles up to date as well. So. Um, so I agree with you, but actually, uh, antivirus, I think, on a Mac is not yet required to any no, uh, degree. And if you play by the rules and keep yourself safe, actually, much like Windows, you probably don't need um, to worry about it too much um, when it comes to antivirus. But I, I have a, an antivirus software package, which is actually the AV Clamac. Clamax AV, um, mm. which I've um, donated to as well. I donated some time ago, but they, they, it's now gone paid wall. But there, there are lots of other options, and I will put a number of um, different uh, options for you in the show notes. And also there is a review of antivirus software from Macworld that also points to a couple of um, applications which I haven't got in the show notes, but um, there is plenty out there, and there, quite a lot of it is actually free, and it's useful for those items, especially if you're sharing with Windows friends, that's that's where I think it really does kick in. Now, yeah. you mentioned something earlier when you're surfing on the web, mm-hmm. which I think um, a lot of people, including myself at time, get extremely confused about, mm-hmm. and that is Java and JavaScript. Yeah, so if you see Java code written down, and if you see JavaScript code written down, they look similar. So that's why the name is similar but there's actually no relationship between them. It's just that when they were writing JavaScript, 
they liked the look of Java code, and so they adopted it and stuck the word script after it. They're not related to each other at all. It's really annoying that they decided to name them that way, but there is no connection. Okay, so so, so in, in the security options in our uh, Safari mm-hmm. tab, there is, uh, there is a tab which says security, and it says enable JavaScript. Should Fine. people do that? Well, if you turn that off, you'll find the internet doesn't work. <laughs> right? Because JavaScript is what... So the internet originally was just things... It was a one-way medium. It was just things to read. You didn't do things on the internet. You just read things. It was a way to access mostly text, some pictures, and maybe some audio, and some video if you had a week to wait for it. And JavaScript is what brings a web page to life. So... If you click on things and stuff happens, that's all JavaScript doing that. So if you turn off JavaScript, you will find that you can't even write an email in Gmail. You you can't do almost anything anymore because JavaScript is really what brings the web to life. So don't turn off JavaScript. That's just going to make your life terrible. Java, on the other hand, is it wasn't really written for the web. It's just you could use it in a web page through something called an applet. And some microsystems were hoping it would take off a la Flash. And... The reality is Java has just failed at that. It, it's, almost, it's almost not used. Uh, there might be some legacy stuff left over. Maybe some corporations went for it, and so you might need it at work. But you're very, very, very unlikely to need it as a home user. And it is a security disaster. So if you have Java, it's fine to have it on your system. Just don't let your web browser use it. So if you have an app that's not a web app, it's just an app that uses Java, don't panic. Java's fine to have on your computer. Just don't let it near your web browser. So in your web browser, you'll have an option to disable Java. That one should be off. Okay, cool. Does that make sense? I think that's uh, clarified it for everybody. Um, Okay, now, security is a massive, massive subject, and um, I want to just touch on a few things. I don't want to just do the... the, um, Actually, can I touch on one well of course, by all means. to the Java thing, and that's uh, by Flash. Means. Oh, right, yeah. Right, so yeah. Oh, Flash... hang on a minute, I, I've got to find it now, haven't I? I've definitely got oh. to find it. Uh, do you know, I don't think I've got Flash. I think Guy's got it, to be honest with you. Oh. oh no. Flash. There you go. Perfect, perfect. So Flash, Flash isn't part of the internet as such. Flash is a plugin. So it's an optional extra written by Macromedia, bought by Adobe. And nowadays, pretty much anything Flash can do, JavaScript can do too. And the big problem with Flash is that it it was written without really much thought for security, and it's a buggy piece of poop is really the problem with it. (laughs) And there are vulnerabilities found in it all the time. It is the single most likely thing to get you hacked because, of course, your browser is what's touching the internet the most intimately, and your browser is where Flash sits. Therefore, it's an absolute gift to anyone who wants to take you over. And the real danger with Flash is that it's in ads. So the way, so you might think, if I don't go near the seedy bits of the internet, I won't meet any bad guys, and therefore I will be safe. Which is sound logic if you think about the physical world. If I don't go down that back alley, I'm a lot safer than if I stay on, you know, if I stay on the high street, I'm fine. The problem is ads. So the New York Times has hosted Flash-based malware through its ads. Last uh, This month, like recently, I think it's two weeks ago, Yahoo was hosting malicious Flash ads through their ad service. It has happened on major U.S. sporting websites. This happens on really big-name sites because they all have ads, and those ads yeah. come from ad services, and those ad services are all 
you know, they're in a they're in a real race to the bottom sort of market. Yeah. And they don't have time to validate everything. And so if there's a problem found in Flash, a lot of the times the first place security researchers see it is in ads. And then it's a real problem because people are visiting reputable websites and getting infected with stuff. So Flash is Flash is really dangerous. And Today, thanks to the iPhone and the iPhone simply never having Flash, most of the internet has been deflashed. Yeah, Steve, I, I mean, I, I can remember Steve Jobs going on about that and saying we, mm. we, they want to move. This was many years ago saying they want to mm. move to HTML5. Yes. Which, and I, I know that it's taken a long time for a lot of organizations to slowly move over to it. And you, even the BBC still have yeah. videos which have Flash video. Um, but they, they've, I mean, they've got a ton of stuff so i can understand why they miss a few of their their videos but a lot of big sites now especially youtube have have moved over Mm -hmm. to html5 so apple actually saw the light a long time ago when it comes to flash yeah so my advice is if you can go without flash just go without flash but the chances are there'll be one or two sites and so there's a really good middle ground that's actually more sort of people friendly so don't install flash remove flash from your system but know that Google Chrome has its own version of Flash built into it, and Google keep that updated for you, so you can't have an out-of-date version of Flash in Chrome. Therefore, browse the web in Safari or Firefox 90% of the time. When you need a bit of Flash, open up Chrome. Or yep. just use Chrome all the time. Yep. And, and then you, Go on. Yeah, that, that really protects you by not having a full Flash on your system. It, it's, it's way safer. Yeah. So, so when you get a pop-up asking you to update your Flash, you know that you should ignore it. Yes, because you don't have it. Correct. Correct. Yes. Okay. So, so you were going to ask me something else, but I, I sort of interrupted you. No, that's fine. That's fine. Um, so if, if somebody move over, moves over to the Mac, the first mm-hmm. one of the first things they're going to do and go into, if they were anything like me, is mm-hmm. click on this thing called System Preferences. And in mm-hmm. System Preferences, it's got what looks like a safe on a house, and it says security and privacy. And yes. That's, that's got four tabs on it. So let's quickly just whip through that, okay. because as far as I'm concerned, it's all kind of connected to security on yes. your Mac. Now, the first one says a logging password um, to be set for this user. Now, mm-hmm. require a password either immediately or on screen. So the question is, should you use a login? And now, I know the answer to this, really, but uh, should you use a login password for your Mac? Yes, you should. Um, especially as, for the moment, just take my word for it till we get a few a few more tabs in and then it will become more important as to why. The other thing is you should require a password after sleep or screensaver. Uh, what I tend to do is I put, it for, I put it to require a password five seconds after sleep or screensaver. And the reason is that way when your screen goes black and you quickly reach for the mouse, you don't have to enter your bloody password. <laughs> yes. Because I do that all the time. I have a hot corner set up to turn on the screensaver, and if I accidentally push my mouse the whole way into the top right, the screensaver comes on. Oh, no. Well, I give it a quick wiggle, problem solved. So, yeah, so I do that all the time, so that's why I have that there. And so I, at I, five I, seconds makes sense. Okay. Now, some people who say, oh, I'm not going to put a password on my Mac. It sits in, it's, a, it's a Mac. It sits in my house. I never go outside with it. And I, okay, fine. If that's what you want to do, that's fine. But... Thieves do get in your house and they do pinch your stuff. So just be yes. aware of that. And if that's the risk you're prepared to take, then fine. But if you're a MacBook or a mobile Mac user, then you should don't even think about not having this on. Absolutely. If just it's a laptop, for goodness sake. Or if yeah. it's an iPhone, 
Oh, definitely, yeah. definitely, definitely, yeah. definitely, definitely. And Apple are helping you there with the thumbprint. The uh, yes. I mean, I, I I get so frustrated now when I go to I've got a work phone and mm-hmm. um, I, I just sit there looking at the phone with my thumb over the the the, the home button, and then I think, oh, because <sighs> it's an iPhone four. I have an iPhone 5, so I, I, I haven't yet become addicted to touch it is, it is It is addictive. It is addictive. Well, it's not addictive. It's just easy. And yes. it's just... Anyway, let's move on. Let's move on. Yes. This is about so the next tab is going to explain why you should set a password. So that's FileVault. Yes. FileVault is full disk encryption. Only it's full disk encryption that's nice and easy and builds straight into the OS. So what that means is... When yeah, I can... can, can before, before you jump in on that, mm-hmm. I can always remember people talking about encrypting your disk, but going on about it being really, you know, if you mm. lose this, that you could lose all your data, so you must never forget this piece of information. But these were generally from third-party pieces uh, of equipment or pieces of software. So are we quite um, happy with FileVault? Uh, and quite happy with the way Apple have implemented it. Yeah, Apple have done a good job of it. So they give you a choice of how much trusting you do. But so the first off, so the idea with this is that the data on your hard disk is scrambled. And when you boot up the machine, you enter your password, and that password allows the running computer to unscramble the hard disk. So as you read files, you're getting unscrambled between the hard disk and the operating system. And whenever you write, the operating system scrambles them and then puts them on the hard disk. Okay, so now it- that, that password that you mentioned at the start, that's the same mm-hmm. sign-in password that we spoke of a minute or two ago. <laughs> Yes, okay, so what really happens is it's actually a massive big long key that no human could ever remember ever. Yeah. And that key is then encrypted with your sign-in password. Right. So the password is the key to your key. Right, gotcha. And if your computer is locked, then you, your disk is safe, basically. Um, so your computer contains probably more information about you than anything else on this planet except maybe your iPhone, which is also a computer. And if someone steals it, they probably have enough information to impersonate you to a sufficient extent to start taking out loans in your name and doing all sorts of things that will cause you no end of problems. So enabling full disk encryption means that if some so-and-so steals your computer, they have your physical hardware, they can reformat the hard drive and sell it on. Boo-hoo, not nice, but okay. But they can't learn enough about you to start buying more computers in your name and stuff like that so it is a way to keep the data safe it doesn't stop the computer being stolen but at least when the computer is stolen you have the security of knowing that all of your financial information and your passwords and all of that stuff your computer knows is not in the hands of those SOBs who stole your computer excellent now Apple give you a so in, if you lose the password to an encrypted laptop or an encrypted desktop the data is garbage. That's the whole point of encryption. If you don't know the password, it's garbage. And so if you lose the key, you can't get out your stuff. Apple give you a choice. When you enable FileVault, they will ask you, do you want you to be responsible for keeping this key? Or will we give a copy to Apple to keep on your behalf? Uh, personally, I go with, I'll take care of it, thanks. So I print it out and I stick it away in a safety deposit box. Yep. But I know a lot of people, it's better to let Apple do it. So you have, a choice. <laughs> you have a choice. Yes, yes. I just take yes. your choice. Only, only you know yourself. So <laughs> if you know yourself and you think that I'm going to be able to keep that, then let Apple help, help you out. Yes. So I, keep, I have it printed out. It's in a safety deposit box. And the other thing is, of course, I rely on my backups. 
if I have my backup and I've forgotten my password, well, so what? I'll just restore from the backup. Yeah. So the next tab then is firewall. Mm. Yes, please. That's it. We're done. Next. Okay. What? Okay. But let's say you've jumped right oh. into the Apple world and you've also got an Airport Express. Do you need to turn both? Because I, I think that's got an intake, the Airport Express, without exactly. getting too involved. Do you need this and the Airport Express? Because the Airport Express has got a pretty good fi- built-in firewall as well, hasn't it? Let, let, let me add some a little more complexity into my flippant statement. Okay. If you have a laptop, turn this on. If you have a desktop that doesn't leave the house, don't worry about it. Right. I th- really, I think- your, your laptop, when you're in your own house, because the way our internet works, our routers are effectively one-way valves. And so as long as you're in your, as in your home, behind your home router, whether it's an Apple router or someone else's router, no one can reach, you can reach out to the internet, but the internet can't reach into you because, the, because your router is effectively a one-way valve. The problem is when you leave the house and you go to Starbucks, that's when you're at risk. So if you have a 27-inch iMac, you're unlikely to stick it under your arm <laughs> and tootle off to Starbucks. <laughs> but if you have a laptop, that is very likely behavior. That's why you bought a laptop in the first place. And so as soon as you leave the house is when the firewall comes into its own. Into its own. Okay. Turn it on, folks. Yeah. And then privacy, that's one you each got to decide for yourselves. Yes. So what apps can use what stuff? And this is great that this is all collected together now in these newer versions of OS X. Yeah. Yeah, that makes... I, I used to... It used to be a bit of a pain trying to find exactly what apps were doing what, but this yes. certainly makes it a lot easier. Definitely. Cool. Okay, now I said it was a big subject, and I think we've we've concentrated it on a few areas, and we've skirted around a few others with hopefully enough information to to give you a, a, a hint as to what to do. But if you've got any more questions, either ping myself, Guy, or Bart, and we'll give you our contact details at the end, or go over to the G Plus page and uh, throw some questions in there. But <laughs> folks, it's a jungle out there. But if you're on a Mac, it's not as Dangerous a jungle as it is over on the window side. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Think of it like the difference between living in New York City and living out on the Appalachian Trail somewhere. You know, a door lock is a door lock is a door lock, but if you're in New York City, it's a wee bit more important. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yes. Because when you're on the trail, you just need a gun to shoot the lion that's coming. At you. Yeah, anyway, that's, that's a different subject. <laughs> shoot <isn't> lion. <laughs> Anyway, can you remember how to take us out or not? Oh, my memory's gone to poop. Okay, uh, I'll, I'll do it in a posh English accent for everyone then. Everybody, if you'd like to stand by, to stand by, and we'll be, well, we'll be right back. Close your eyes from your ashes Private Eye, Mac and Tosh, and I'm here to tell you about a book written about me and my search for the Maltese Cube. Yes, it's a fine book. I think you should get it. Quiet, you. It combines technology, Mac trivia, action, murder, suspense. Oh, just tell them where to get it. I'll get to that. Romance, film noir detective fiction. I can't stand it anymore. It's called the Maltese Cube, and it was written by my Mac writer and podcaster. Guy Searle. Find it on 
Amazon. It's only $2.99 and coming soon to the Apple's iBook store. Don't forget, it's the Maltese Cube and so inexpensive. You know you're not in it, right? I mean, the next one, right? Sure thing, Louis. You know, this could be the start of a beautiful friendship. Get the Maltese Cube on Amazon and soon in the iBook store. This is Carl Madden from the Mac and Fall podcast, and I do listen to Guy and Gaz and draw a lot of inspiration from them for my show, The Poor Unfortunate Sods. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the final section of this week's My Mac podcast 570 security what is it good for well you should have heard in the last section and i'll tell you what i'm nodding my head because bart did a great job but in nodding my head this happens hit it gases tips mostly gases tips it's time for gases tip Okay. I love that. I, I know that it's so brilliant, much. isn't it? It is brilliant. Okay, I don't know about you, but I do use pages quite a lot. Mm. Sometimes though the snap guides need to be overridden. Well, if you want to disable them just for a moment, all you have to do is hold down the command button when moving an item to temporarily remove the snap guides. Is that a good tip? But that actually is a great tip. I'm going to remember that. Well, I'm going to try to remember that. I'll probably fail. But So if you think that's a great tip, that means you're nodding your head, aren't you? Yes, uh, yes. You see, louder. Quieter. Louder, quieter. That's the end of Gaz's tips. That's the end of Gaz's tips. Is that the end of the tip? Will you let me finish? Gaz's tips. Nick I can't remember that high bit on the end. That wasn't here last time I was on. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Was it? Yes, it well, it should have been. Um... So, Nick Hall, thank you very much. We still love you for doing that. Okay, guys, at pick, what is it good for? Absolutely nothing. That's because he's not sent one in. But I'm not going <laughs> uh, to blame him because uh, neither he's did on I. He's, he's on holiday. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to jump in with Snap Hill. Um, currently, but be quick, uh, it seems to be on offer. Uh, now, it's a photo image correction software from MacFun. So if you've got a blemish, a person, a fence, somebody doing, uh, a, you know, bombing your selfie, you can actually use this particular software. And it's pretty good at taking that piece of uh, data on your photo out. But MacFun also do lots of other products. Now, this uh, SnapPeel is currently at 990 Nine ninety nine in the UK App Store, uh, but I think it's a little bit more than that usually. But MacFun at the moment do have a package, a summer deal package for sixty nine or sixty four pounds. They've got about six or seven applications, uh, all of which are pretty good. So if you're not an Aperture or Lightroom user that can do some of these uh, these processes, and you've just got a simple, straightforward um, image. Um, data collection tool, a little bit like photos, um, then uh, go over and have a look at MacFun. And if you fancy it, I've got to say their apps are cracking. Uh, and SnapHill certainly is one that I I do like using. Yeah, it's, it's, I look at it as like that really cool feature in Photoshop, only without all the rest of Photoshop. Yes, absolutely. But um, the only thing is, it is. I'm not sure that it'll still be available when. Uh, I, I mean, Matt Fun, this particular their apps are brilliant. Buy them whether they're on sale or not. So I hope they're still on the sale 
when uh, the sale promotional price uh, when this um, podcast goes out to you. So sad face if it isn't, but um, it, but it's cracking software anyway. Now, Bart, yes, Bart's, okay, so Bart's thingy. My thingy, yes. So I, um, I, I like to nerd. Um, I do a lot of nerding. And something that's very important to nerds is text editors. And I used to love what was a free programming editor called Smoltron, and I used to recommend that to people. Oh, what, pro- what editor should I use? Oh, use Smoltron. It's quick to launch, does syntax highlighting, really nice editor. Great. And now it's a paid app. I still love it. It's a great app, but I can't recommend it to people who don't want to pay for stuff. So I've been looking for an equally good free recommendation for people, and I've now started to use Atom.io, which is a new text editor for OS X. Uh, it is quick to launch, really pretty, a beautiful text editor for programmers on the Mac, and uh, it's free and open source. So it's at Atom.io. Excellent, excellent. Um, yeah, there are sometimes occasions when you or I need to edit a file, one of those um, dot, uh, I forget what they call them. They're, they're like not a preference file, but they're like P-list. the P list file. That's it. Um, and if you open them in like Word or Pages, they ain't going to work. That ain't going to yes. work. So, so would it? Um, would this be able to cope with those as well? Opening those yes, files absolutely. and making them just yes. brilliant, brilliant, yeah. fantastic. Um, okay, people's pick. We have a people's pick. In fact, we've got a few people's picks, so we're going through them at the moment. This one is called Status Board. It's a people's pick from Michael Cassell. Um, panic status board has gone free with the new version. The basic config is probably all that most users need, but you can upgrade to the full functionality via in-app purchases if desired. Now, actually, Alistair Jenks, because this was over on Google Plus page, and Alistair Jenks jumped in and said he had version one, so he got all of the panel types for free. But he says this is a nice upgrade to go for. So, uh, yes, status board. And again, I know that Don McAllister recently did a screencast on status board. So one another reason to sign up to Don McAllister's screencast so you can you can see this stuff, you know, what it does in real time uh, from a fairly sensible English bloke. Let's put it that way. <laughs> and uh, see what's physically close to you, isn't he? He's Liverpoolian as well. He's a about i suppose is about two and a half three hours away from me oh that's not very close at all no it's a bit of a drive <laughs> never mind ignore me <laughs> he's probably closer to you if, if i'm honest oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway thank you everyone for downloading and listening to this particular show and um well all of our shows if i'm honest but we do love itunes i iTunes reviews. We had one last week from a listener that's been with us now for three years and he reposted. So if you'd like to go over to iTunes and do a review for us, that would be most welcome. And you could gain yourself a Wooty. So if you do a review, send either myself or Guy an email at the addresses that we're going to give you in a second or two. And you could get yourself a Wooty. That's big W, big O, big O, big T, little I, little E. Now, you may be thinking, if you're a first-time listener to this show, what on earth is a Wooty? Well, do the review, and you'll find out. I have one. They're cool. 
they, they are. I, well, the first time I saw one, I just, I, I just had the big smile come up on my face. <laughs> anyway, if you do that and you need to send an email, you can contact Guy at mymac.com. That's Guy at mymac.com. You can also contact him on the Twitters or on the Twitters, as Guy would say, uh, which is um, twitter.com forward slash MacParrot. Mm. Oh, well done. Excellent. That's brilliant. I learn eventually. You learn eventually. And I didn't say anything about doing that, did I, too? No, no. I just, I've been here before. <laughs> you can also contact myself, gaz at mymac.com, which is the email, or on the Twitters, twitter.com forward slash gazmaz, G-A-Z-M-A-Z. And I think um, our constant use of uh, me saying Z and getting Guy to say Z and stopping him from saying that American Z uh, confused, made you confused as to which I was the right I don't know which word. I'm supposed to say. I don't know whether <laughs> Z is Irish and Z is American. <laughs> anymore i i just can't say the letter anymore <laughs> which could be awkward couldn't it at times um well, it's because i'm at work and someone asked me to spell something out and i just go z z something uh. <laughs> brilliant i love it um you can also contact both of us because we have a joint that's guy and myself uh joint twitter account which is guy and gaz g-u-y-a-n-d-g-a-z normally in the background guy is shouting out all of those letters <sighs> Right, now, uh, feedback at mymac.com is another way of contacting us. And also, we have a Skype number, which is plus one if you're outside the United States. Area code 703-436-9501. I'll give you that one more time, even though you'll totally ignore me telling you the number. Plus one, 703-436-9501. Call it, call it now, now. Young man on the other end of the line here, Bart, where can the people, the good people uh, contact you? Because I believe that you also do a podcast on this very same network. So I do. I'm also a stoplight podcaster. So I do a monthly Mac show, which is after the end of every month, which technically means it's the start of every month, but it's about the month that went before if that makes any sense. So we do a whole month's worth of Mac news together. The idea is we try to look at the Mac forest instead of the Mac trees so we don't get, you know, there's really great daily shows I wanted to do something different. So I went for a monthly show, big picture. That's called Let's Talk Apple. And then there's a, in the middle of the month, there's a photography show I do called Let's Talk Photography. And the rule on Let's Talk Photography is it's not about gear, it's about the art and craft of photography. So if you want to know which Nikon do that to buy, not the show for you. If you just want to know talk about the art and craft of photography we're the show for you so let's talk they're both at let's-talk.ie and i love both of them you're on both of them i have been on less on the photography one occasionally on that one but i do love both of them anyway so yeah thanks guys cool um right so again Thank you, everyone, for downloading and listening to the nonsense that is normally the G-Men. Uh, this week, I think it's got, we've got a little bit more sense. We've got the GB-Men. GB-Men? Yeah, the GB-Men. BG-Men? GB-Men? BG-Bgs. The BGs. We're the BGs. We're the BGs. Brilliant. I love it. And, and I think that we're good enough, smart enough, and doggone it, people like us. And the problem is I've now got to do the silly language myself, which kind of doesn't work. But I'm going to do it anyway, because this is just weird. Twix lij tub tisis niob twab nulub limtiamnu uas ua rua peptu sayab nku kodstham quang peb hiav tisimuj ti ti mim 
Unwritten is far too long. No, wrong. Say, who, who wrote this? <laughs> it wasn't that long when I wrote it. I'm sure it wasn't. Narog lub suab zupi chasiab tis tis tias tis. Could you see that? Say that big three-letter word for me. Where are you reading this from? Uh, did I not? Uh, did I not send it to you? Well, my show notes end with Alistair Jenks said. Ah, oh, well, that's you were lucky then. So all I'm going to say is end. Oh, Finn will be French. <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks for downloading this podcast. You can find lots of other great podcasts on the Stoplight Network, like Four Pigs, The Bell Tolls, Geekiest Show Ever, International Film Club, Let's Talk Podcasts, The Casual Heroes Podcasts, Tech Fan, The Deeper Look, The Mac Gist, Nintendo Club Podcast, and Three Geeky Ladies. Not that posh, but it'll do. <laughs> okay, so this last section is generally quite short, so that's a pretty much the chat that we had beforehand, I think we... We're just about on course for our hour then. Yeah, yeah, because this, this can go fairly quickly, this last section. So let me just find the... Now, this, this won't go out until probably Monday, Tuesday of next week, so just so you know. That's fine. Um... No, nothing I have said is it will go stale. No, no, that's that. We, we, <laughs> most things that Guy and I say normally go stale pretty quick, but there you go. Um, okay, I'll bring us into the next section so we can crack on with our lives. <laughs> uh, do you want to do dinner? Yeah, do you want to do you, uh, you want to do the funny language? Funny, what, who, where do you want to do the funny language? What's a funny language? Okay, don't, I'll, don't worry about it. I can do Flemish. No, it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tut, tut, tut. <laughs> yeah but it's funny isn't it 